If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to a pastoral epistle, it's one of the 66 books in the, New, in the Bible. Uh, it's 1 Timothy. It's like a manual for the church. It's an amazing letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young uh, pastor by the name of Timothy. And it really is kind of like a manual for how we're to operate. So we are, we're making our way through this, and we are taking our time. This is week 10 uh, as, as we navigate this entire book. Uh, because we need to know how the household of God, the church of the living God, is the functions for us to flourish for His glory and for the good of our neighbors. So what a joy it has been to journey together. This morning we're going to talk about how we got to train ourselves for godliness. Well, the 2020 Summer Olympics come to a close today. And I don't know about you, but that's still a little bit odd to me that here in 2021 uh, that we have the 2020 Olympics. Uh, how many of y'all done a double take? Like, is it 2020? Oh yeah, it was last year's, but the 2020 Olympics come to a close today. And apparently the ratings have been like plummeting uh, way down. Uh, did anybody here watch the Olympics? Anybody get into the Olympic spirit? It's just my family in the front row and a couple of people in the back that reluctant, okay, I watched a little bit. But what you love is there's some great stories. I mean, really, it's not just watching the competition and, and maybe the patriotism, but it's also just uh, the stories that you hear about the athletes that really kind of make it come alive. And then people like Katie Ledecky, I mean, wow, can that woman swim? Uh, uh, the number of medals and over the years that she has won Caleb Dressel uh, swimming, and again, uh, for those of you who are Florida Gator fans, apparently I have found that more Gators have won medals than any other school, and so shout out to that, but you know, Caleb was absolutely uh, amazing, um, and we really enjoyed it. I mean, there were times that we would have a gather as a family uh, at the evening time, and you know, some of the sports, I'm like, what in the world's going on here? Uh, some are like, is this an Olympic sport? But uh, there were some interesting things like BMX this year, they had surfing this year, golf was back, I mean, some different things. But uh, then the stories of like Allison Felix, uh, you know, she became the most decorated woman uh, uh, track and field Olympic star, 10 medals. Not bad in her lifetime, you know? Uh, that's a pretty cool thing to tell your grandchildren. Then we had the whole Simone Biles uh, drama, you know, uh, and just kind of uh, struggling with her and, and just seeing how life unfolds for what they call the GOAT, one of the greatest of all times. But my favorite athlete story was from a 22-year-old. Matter of fact, she turned 22 yesterday. Yesterday was her birthday. Also, a shout-out to Kyla Madomo, uh, Jake's, Kyla Jake's, my daughter-in-law's birthday. But her name is Sydney, Sydney McLaughlin. And one of the things she did is she set a world record in the 400-meter hurdles. Now, that's one time around the lap, around the track, and they have to jump over hurdles. Did you watch them? I mean, they're amazing. And I think this year more than ever, I watch the Olympics and I watch the athletes and I praise God saying, I cannot believe the bodies that you've given these athletes. I mean, I was able to worship. Look at them go. I was like, holy cow, this is fantastic. And by the way, I love the fact, this is completely off my notes and way down the road, but I love the fact that as an American, I could cheer for athletes that are black, uh, that have Asian descent, white. I mean, we got the most diverse 
amount of athletes. And no matter what you say about country, I think it's the most beautiful thing that you could ever see. But let me get back to Cindy McLaughlin in winning the 400-meter hurdles. And this is what she said in an Instagram post. And by the way, I had to print it out so it was bigger letters. And I thought, you know, if I had my phone up here and I could be one of those cool young pastors that read off their phone, it would have been really impressive, but I can't. So let me just be an old pastor and read off big notes, all right? But here's what she posted. She said, let me start off by saying what an honor it is to be able to represent not only my country, but also the kingdom of God. What, what I have in Christ is far greater than what I have or don't have in my life. I pray my journey may be a clear depiction of submission and obedience to God. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't seem possible, he will make a way out of no way. Not for my own gratification, but for his glory. I have never seen God fail in my life, in anyone's life for that matter. Just because I may not win every race or receive every one of my heart's desires does not mean God has failed. His will is perfect, and he has prepared me for a moment such as this, that, that I may use the gifts he has given me to point all the attention back to him. Is that not a post right there? I mean, is that not, whoa. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. And, you know, Sydney, obviously an amazing Olympian. She's a world record holder. Think about that. World record. No one ever been greater than her running the 400 meters. But she's so much more. There's her picture. She is a servant of Christ Jesus. A good servant of Christ Jesus. We know that Sydney had to train like crazy to be an Olympian, but training is also required to be a good servant of Christ Jesus. So she, she knew she had some hard times too. This is some of the training. This is another post she did earlier. She said this, I could feel, uh, uh, I could feel this meet was going to be something special, but man, Weeks like these are some of the hardest in the track athlete's life. The mental strain of preparing for the rounds in order to solidify your spot is heavy enough. But the amount of weight the Lord took off my shoulders is a reason I could run so freely yesterday. My faith was being tested all week, from bad practices to three false start delays to a meat delay. I just kept hearing God say, just focus on me. It was the best race plan I could have ever had ever assembled. I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect his perfect will that is already set in stone. I don't deserve anything, but by grace through faith, Jesus Christ has given me everything. Records come and go. The glory of God is eternal. Thank you, Father. That is a rock star. I mean, wow. And you know, she obviously had to have some training to become that good servant uh, of, of the Lord. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that there's probably not one person in this audience, I'm pretty darn sure, and I don't know for sure, uh, those who are watching, that will not be an Olympian. Let me bu burst your bubble. There's probably a good chance. For some of you, there's no chance, right? Um, and some of you uh, maybe have been good athletes at one time. I know that I'm playing in an E-League hockey game today at 515 against the fire department in my athletic prowess, but, but everyone here, we may never reach the heights of an Olympian. But if you love Jesus and you're his, if you're a Christian, you should aspire to be a good servant of Christ Jesus. That should be something that we all aspire to. And this is what the Apostle Paul is going to tell 
his beloved son in the faith, Timothy. He's going to call him a good servant of Christ Jesus. You're a good servant if, if you do those things. And he's going to say, now listen, train yourself to be godly. He's going to say to him, hey, listen, you've got, you got, you got to go into training um, because God wants to use you, and he wants to use you profoundly. And it's not just true of a young pastor named Timothy some 2,000 years ago. It's true of you. Wherever you are and wherever God has called you to your family, your job, your neighborhood, God is calling all of us to be good servants of Christ Jesus. And for us to do that, we got to train ourselves, it says, to be godly. He gives us a, uh, one of what he calls his, uh, or called his patented trustworthy sayings. He said, this is a, a trustworthy saying. It, it deserves full acceptance. And listen, physical training is of some value, but godliness holds value for all things in this life and the life to come. So this morning, as we look at God's word, picking up right where we were last week, we're going to see to be a good servant of Jesus really requires two things, a proper diet and discipline training. Good servant of Jesus Christ, got to have a proper diet and discipline training for all of us. So let's read God's word, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 6 uh, through 11. I've noticed I don't have my glasses up here, so here we go. Hear the word of the Lord. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way, and it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This is a trustworthy and deserving. Uh, 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 this is trustworthy and deserving full of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, what a joy it is to be yours and to be loved. And God, what an incredible challenge for all of us that, to train ourselves to be godly. Oh, for your glory, for the good of our neighbor, that we could be called that, that good servant, that good servant of Christ Jesus, that we could hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh Lord, we can't do this on our own. We can only do this by your grace, empowered by your spirit, guided by your word. So God, come and join us. Come and show us what this really means for each one of our lives individually and for our, life, our church corporately. God, speak through us broken sinner like me. Would you give us ears to hear your voice, minds to understand your word, hearts that would embrace your truth, God, that you give us feet that would walk and run in a manner worthy of your name. The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May all those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like our champion, your son, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. Good servant of Christ Jesus. 
That's what Paul tells Timothy, that he is to strive to be a good servant of Christ Jesus. That should be all of our goals. Above all things that you are pursuing, above all things that you would like to be known for, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, the greatest goal should be for his glory that we would be good servants of Christ Jesus. I love the fact that that was Cindy McLaughlin's greatest desire too. I mean, somebody who had that stage, who could run the way she could run, realized there was something so much greater to live for, uh, and that was for God's glory. But how do we do it? How do we become good servants of Christ Jesus? Well, it begins with proper diet. I love the fact that Henry this morning talked about working out. He knocked it out of the park talking about diet. And so what do you do with proper diet? Well, the first thing is, uh, I hate to tell you this, and you know it, Avoid junk food, right? Avoid junk food. And, and it's not just true physically, uh, but it's true spiritually. Now, God has made us in his image and he's given us desires. But you know what sin has done for us? Sin has warped us. Sin has broken us. Sin has distorted us. Sin takes our desires. They are God-given desires in many ways. And we crave stuff that's bad for us. You know, it's what the Bible calls the flesh. Our flesh will always, even as believers, that flesh still craves junk food, all right? Uh, our desire for food has grown to the point where it's gluttony. You know, it's, it's hard to push away from a, a good buffet line. Our desire for drink has led to debauchery uh, with addiction and, and too much. Our desire for sex, uh, for sex often leads to adultery or, or pornography. There's good desires, but when you move toward the world and fulfilling them in a, in, a, in a junk food way, it has consequences. I love what scripture says, sin so easily entangles in, in all of our lives. I mean, it's like those weeds in your backyard. You don't have to fertilize them. They just grow. You know, sin just grows. I mean, it just, it's there. It's something we have to fight always. And we're to avoid uh, 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 sin because why? Sin never truly satisfies. It'll satisfy for a minute. It's going to be, man, this feels good for a moment. But in the end, it'll leave you wanting more. And it's going to hurt us. Don't eat Twinkies. They're not good for you. Right? Don't get entangled in the junk food of this life. Be careful. There's a lot out there. It's, it's in your face. It's continual. It's not good for you. It's not good for you spiritually. And really, all you're missing is a heartache. This is what the world does. Hey, you need this. You want this. This is good for you. You're going to love this. This is going to taste good, feel good. This is going to do what it's all about. And it's going to entice you. Come on, you can do it. Not a big deal. Everybody else is doing it. No one will know. Whatever the enemy does. And here's what the enemy does. He entices you, then he accuses you. Oh, real good Christian, you are. If you were stronger, if you were better. I mean, I, that's our enemy. He's the worst. He, he entices us, and then he accuses us. Um, and all that we're missing is a heartache. If something looks better on the other side, if the grass looks greener, I promise you it's not. You're missing just a, a, a heartache. Avoid the junk food in life. But he's specifically talking about spiritual junk food. He says, don't get involved in ir irrelevant, silly myths. Don't get involved in religious nonsense. And so let's talk about that for just a minute. What are old wives' tale, and what is the nonsense he's telling us not to get involved with? He's saying, avoid anything that isn't sound doctrinally. And there's a lot of things. 
And, and some of that could be end time theories. I mean, we could get so wrapped up as when is he coming back and how is he coming back and what is end times. We can lose the big story in the midst of the end of the story. We know he wins, but be careful. Be careful to get wrapped up in things like horoscopes and what do the stars say. I mean, that's, that's, those are myths. And, and, you know, it's not just benign. Uh, and I got to tell you, one of, my, one of the things that bothers me is like people, hey, man, I really hope we get that new job. What the heck are you doing? What does this do with anything about what you're hoping for, knocking on wood? And I know it seems innocent, and I don't mean to just jump on something small, and I know that many of us have done that, but I'm like, really? I mean, I mean doesn't that in some way say, God, you know, I know you're sovereign, I know you're good, and I don't want to play, but I'm going to hope that thing comes through. Um, it's a silly myth. It's a wife's tale. Uh, now that I'm down this road of rabbit trail, even saying... Things like luck. Listen, I hope I get that luck. Don't, don't, don't give God's providence away to luck and chance. We got a God who's in control. We got a God who's good and loving. It's not lucky. All right? And so uh, avoid the junk food. Um, things like that. But then it says this, but be nourished in the gospel. He starts off by saying, in the things that you've been trained in, the first word train is really the word nourished. And he says, you should be nourished in these words, in these words of hope. Uh, it, it says it right in, in, in the beginning of this, um, nourished in the words of faith and of, of sound doctrine. So what is he saying? You should be nourishing yourself. You should be feeding upon. You should be eating the good stuff. And what is the good stuff? You should be training yourself, feeding yourself in the gospel, the words of faith. Those of us who have come to realize it's by God's grace through faith in Christ alone that we are set, nourish yourself in the gospel. And in sound doctrine, what does the word say? And, 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 and we should feed on them daily. Daily. Daily we should be waking up and say, what is it? true? What's true about me? I'm loved. What's true about me? I'm a sinner who needs grace. What's true about me? You know what? God's grip is on me and he's never going to let me go. What's true about me? I got a future. What's true about me? I'm going to struggle today. I'm going to wrestle with the faith today. I'm going to wrestle with the flesh today. I'm going to mess up today, but I'm loved. And I'm forgiven and I'm free. I mean, every day we should be exercising, training, nourishing ourselves on the truth, on the truth of the gospel, of what God has done for us. And then I, just a quick word. Remember last week, he said, listen, in God's creation, don't avoid some good things. I mean, don't not get married because you think you're going to be more holy. I mean, if God's called you to marriage, do it. And, and if there's certain foods, don't, don't think that you're more holy because you abstain from certain foods. So the point is, Holiness comes from being connected to Christ. So eat right. Avoid junk food, right? And nourish yourself in the gospel. And then discipline training. Let's go. There's some great stuff here. The first thing we've got to say is why do we train? Why do we train? I'm going to tell you something. I love this. We don't train to become something. We already are. Uh, let, me, let me give you a little bit more. There's a difference of why you go into training as an athlete. Many athletes will go into training why to make a team. They go into training, they work hard, they discipline themselves because I want to make the cut. I want to be considered worthy of the team. You also might train really hard to be qualified in a specific event. Think of the Olympics. You've got to post a certain time. You've got to lift a certain weight. You've got to do a certain thing. You've got to qualify so you work hard so that you will make the team or that you will be qualified. But watch this. This is so beautiful, the gospel. But when God's word tells us to train ourselves to be godly, it is never so that we make the team. 
What he's saying it is for those of us who are on the team, which means in the family, already loved in Christ Jesus. It's for believers. It's for training for those who are already on the team. Why? Because godliness and righteousness, our godliness and righteousness will always fall short of God's perfection. It is always insufficient. Here's the bottom line. You can't work hard enough on your godliness, nor can I, for God to accept us. We can't work hard enough on doing the right thing that we get in. That God will say, oh, good guy, wonderful person. I'm going to accept them. No, no, no. We're only accepted because of God's grace in Christ Jesus. The reason why we train is because we're on the train team. Don't train something to become something you're not already. That in Christ Jesus, it's this mystery. We looked at it last week. There's a mystery of godliness. What is the mystery of godliness? Let me take you back to verse 16, 316. He says this, the mystery of godliness. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And then he tells us something that it's, it's probably an ancient creed or maybe a hymn. He says, he, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh. God became flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. This is really God, uh, God's Son. He was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the word, world, and taken up in glory. You see, godly, what is it saying? We're to train ourselves for godliness, but godliness is only found in Christ Jesus. It's basically saying, you want to be godly? Be connected to Christ Jesus. That's where it starts. You'll never be connected to him now you train yourself because you are a part of him. This commandment is for those who are already on the team. The command to train yourself to be godly because we have already been declared not guilty in Christ's righteousness and blood. You've already been set apart and made holy in Christ Jesus. So now train yourself to be that which God has made you. To be, not to become something you're not. This is a, a huge distinction with Christianity. Christianity, the good news of the gospel, is not just good advice. Hey, here's some good advice. Avoid junk food and do the right thing. No, no, no. The gospel is the good news of what God has done for sinners like us in Christ Jesus. It's not just advice of how we can work harder to be approved and accepted in Christ. Isn't that good news? God doesn't say work harder, get better. He says embrace my son, Christ Jesus, and be set free. Be loved and be energized. And yes, with that, then work uh, to, for godliness. All right, so the reason we train is because we're a part of the team. The value of our training, it says physical or bodily training is of some value. It's important. And I love that it tells about, one of the commentators talked about how much Paul walked in his lifetime and the number of miles that he would have traveled in all of his missionary journeys. He probably knew that there was validness in physical training, to be physically fit to be good stewards of our bodies. We should be. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should be good stewards of our physical bodies. But godliness is of value in every way, or in all things, in all times. I love it. It says it holds its promise. It holds its value. It's value in the present life, in the life to come. Hit pause. I love the fact. He doesn't say, listen, you should be godly because one day you'll die and you'll have to be in heaven and you really want to show up ready. He said, no, no, no. You should be godly because you know it's got value today. Tomorrow when you wake up, pursuing after God is a good thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bless your life. And when your heart stops beating and you see him face to face, it's going to be even a better thing. 
So godliness is not something we do just because, like, you lose a lot of weight because you got a big wedding coming up, you know? Like, I got that event. I got to fight hard for that event. No, no, no. It's got value in all things for the life and the life to come. Value for this life, life abundantly in Christ Jesus. Value for the life to come, life eternally. But I can't help but tell you the value of godliness. Just in one more book, when he writes 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 12, I believe, he says this. Anybody who desires to live a godly life, good thing. You're going to be persecuted. Let me just shoot straight with you. You want to train? It's going to be hard. You want to lose weight? It's not going to be easy. You want to become more godly? You're going to be persecuted. Because your flesh is going to hate it and your enemy is going to want to knock you down. But there's value. And there's great value. The way that we train. I love it. It says train yourself. It's, it's emphatic. Yourself. Train. The word train is the Greek word that we, we get the word gymnasium. The word gymnastics. It's the same root of training. Uh, literally, it means in the Greek practice naked, which I think the beach volleyball people took way too literally. Um, but train yourself individually. Read your Bible. Pray. Memorize scripture. Spend time in the Word. I mean, I mean you know, uh, uh, we have them. Let, let's spend time in training ourselves uh, corporately. Um, you know, <laughs> join a gym kind of oftentimes it will help you get in physical shape. You know, if you do it together, you'll, you'll kind of some camaraderie, some accountability. But we should be training corporately, joining a, a KC group when the, they come around in the fall and, and digging into our women's ministry and men's ministry and, and growing together. So training ourselves should be individual uh, and it should be corporate. Um, and again, how, how do we train? In verse 10, he says this, for this godliness, we toil and strive. The Greek word toil means to exert oneself physically, mentally, and spiritually, to strike a hard blow. I mean, it's, it's hey, listen, don't just be spiritual marshmallows. It's work on this. Let, let's go. Let's toil. Let's strive. Let's fight for it. Let's engage in a contest. Maybe develop a plan for godliness. I guarantee if you have a plan to lose weight, you'll have a plan. So I think if we don't have a plan for how we grow, it will drift. Uh, hey, I'm, this upcoming year, I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to read through the New Testament. I'm going to read through the Psalms. You know, I want, I want to spend 20 minutes a day, just, just in time in prayer. I'm going, to, I'm going to write my prayer request down in a book, and I'm just going to look to see what God does. I mean, uh, whatever plan, I'll love to help you do that. Now watch this, the motivation of our training. Our hope is set on the living God, it says. God's glory is our goal. Listen to verse 10. For to this end, why do we do it? This is the end. This is the goal. We, we toil and strive because... We have our hope set on the living God. I love this. We're going to do all this hard work, not for us, because our hope is in Him, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe, who says, listen, there's only one Savior, and the people who know that are the people who have embraced Christ as Jesus. So our motivation for training needs to be Him. But watch this. I love this about the gospel. There's such a distinction with this in religion. The motivation of our training should be compelled by the love of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, May the love of Christ compel you. If you are here and you're hearing a message that says, you should be more godly, you should, and you should work harder because God will start loving you more, you miss the message. If you're here and you cannot believe the way God has eternally loved you and what he's done for you, and you can't believe what he continually does to you, may that love 
compel you. May the love of Christ compel you. He cares. Watch this. God cares as much about our motivation as our actions. You're going to say, that's not right, Jeff. That can't be right. He can't care as much about our... Okay, let's talk about the Pharisees. The Pharisees had the longest prayers. They tithed everything, including their dill and their mint, and, and, and they were the most religious people, and yet their motivation was so they could be seen. Their motivation was so they could be praised. Their motivation was so them. And Jesus had the hardest time with them. Your motivation matters. And if you're not motivated, you don't know the love of Christ. And again, we're going to be in a battle, but may that motivation be those who are committed. Listen, those who are committed to f- physical training pretty much love themselves. And it's not always a bad love, but you know those guys who just can't get rid of the mirror, you know? I mean, I mean they, they are pretty in love with themselves. And those who are committed to godliness are amazingly in love with God. I remember uh, I was in my study, and I've shared this story over the years. It's one of my favorites. I was in my study praying for holiness. Um, and I remember I was up in there, I was just praying. I said, God, I'm praying you're going to make me more holy. And, and I don't understand why you're not answering this prayer. How come I'm still such a mess? And God, I'm, I'm asking in Jesus' name, and I'm not asking for a bigger church, and I'm not asking for more money. I'm asking for holiness. I want to be more holy. Why aren't you answering this prayer? And I promise you, it was one of the clearest answers I ever had. I didn't hear an audible voice. I just felt in my spirit this overwhelming, because you're not praying for me, you're praying for you. You just want to quit feeling bad about yourself. And you just want to have others think how amazing you are. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I started to pray a prayer of repentance, saying, God, would you forgive me for praying that prayer for holiness. And do you know what immediately I felt? Pride. I started looking around my study saying, this is the most godly prayer that any man has ever uttered. And what kind of man of God asked for repentance for prayers of godliness? This man is a holy man. I mean, I'm, I'm looking around for angels to sing. I wanted some high fives. Like, this is the prayer. And I just slipped on my knees and I just said, God, can you love a sinner like me? You know, may the motivation be love. We are, we are so broken. I, I threw one in, the rest while we train. You know, you, to, to have a good physical re- regiment, you have to have rest. Um, and we need to have rest as we train. And, and let me just tell you, remind you what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28. Rest during training. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. You know, the message for you, Karen, isn't work harder. It's rest more in Christ Jesus. And as you rest in Christ Jesus, you're going to be able to work harder. Um, take my yoke upon you and learn from me from gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Let me just hit pause. When you think about growing in Christ, does it make you weary? Does it make you feel like this is hard work? You've missed it. It's the gospel. It's good news. Rest in Christ. He's enough. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then there's going to be more rest to come. We're going to toil and labor on this side of glory. But Matthew 25, 21, he reminds us that his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. This is what you hear when you're a good servant of Christ Jesus. Well done. And you have been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into your joy or into your rest of the master. What joy is ours? The reward of training as we close. What is the reward of training? Well, Jesus won the prize for us, right? We've already received the gold medal in Christ Jesus. We've already been forgiven and free. We've already been declared not guilty. 
You know, I mean, I love it when someone wins and they robe themselves in the American flag and their flag and they're so excited. But let me tell you, Christian, you got something so much more than a flag to drape yourself in. You got the righteousness of Christ to robe yourself in. I mean, you've been forgiven and free. You've been declared not guilty in Christ Jesus, and now we have the privilege of becoming like him. Jesus is the value of godliness, and he has secured that value for us. Jesus is the pursuit of godliness. Why? Because he pursued us. <laughs> I came to seek to save the lost, to give you a whole different race. And Jesus is our source of godliness. His word is Father and Spirit. Pursuing godliness is pursuing Christ Jesus. It's pursuing the gospel. And let me ask you, what are you doing to pursue godliness? And what will you do this week? What, what's going to be different about this week? Saying, you know what? He, he wants me to train myself to be godly. Just know if you want to set out that way, the enemy's like, oh, I'm going to throw everything I can. It's like you get on a diet, and what, what happens? Someone brings home cake, bunt cake, chocolate with v vanilla icing. I've had it last night. It's incredibly good. But just remember, the reward is we are robed in his righteousness. Let me tell you what Paul says. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Peter says it this way in 5, 1 Peter 5.4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. King's Chapel, let's get training. Let's train in godliness. Let's do it individually and corporately for the glory of our great God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful that we don't have to try to train in godliness so that you're going to accept us and put us on your team. But God, by your grace and your incredible grace and your mercy, we're already on your team. We're part of your beloved family because of what Christ Jesus has done. And now we want to train to be more like him. Yeah, sometimes toil and strive. And God, we confess that we love junk food. We confess that we're sinners that are prone to wander. We are sheep, and sheep are smelly, and sheep are often stupid, and we just are going to go after the wrong things. But God, we thank you for your spirit that helps us and guides us. We thank you for your word. And God, you've given us these things, and we often neglect them. And, and God, you know, it's, it's interesting because even, even Paul, I think in 1 Corinthians 15, says, I am who I am by the grace of God, but I work hard. God, help us understand that. We are who we are by your grace. But for your glory, we want to run the race well. God, may we train ourselves to be godly, and may King's Chapel be a fertile ground for godliness. Grounded in your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.